Chapter Seven of Giacomo Puccini by Wakeling Dry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. La Boheme. The mere fact that La Boheme, Puccini's fourth work, to which he gave the plain title of opera, is his most popular composition for the stage, makes one all the more inclined to search more minutely for weaknesses. But with repeated performances for it has passed into the regular repertory of all opera-houses wherever it has been played its unity both as an idea and an expression comes out more and more with remarkable distinctness it captured the italian ear and taste immediately and babies were christened mimi and rodolfo just as years before santuzza and turido culled from mascagni's cavalleria rusticana were favourite baptismal appellations it did not take long for england represented in this instance by the comparatively limited number of opera lovers to take it to its heart it delighted fastidious france and even satisfied hypercritical and essentially conservative germany of all puccini's work it exhibits perhaps the most spontaneity and as a piece of modern music if the melodies themselves apart from their very definite piquancy and freshness do not rise to any vast heights of emotional expression its absolute continuity is certainly a very high artistic achievement and stands unquestionably as its most striking feature ilica and giocosa provided the book and their idea in providing the framework is clearly indicated by the prefatory note to the vocal score they begin with a quotation from the preface to murger's vie de bohème of which the thoroughly impressionistic opera is a most spirited musical expression the bohemians under which title the opera was first presented in england does not express by any means the exact nature of the work it is the spirit of bohemianism that curious almost undefinable quality which in reality simply means the absolute living for and in the mood of the moment and is not by any means the entire monopoly of the artistic temperament that is portrayed by the dramatic scheme in the matter of following murger's story which as a novel is the most free in the whole range of modern literature the librettists have been careful to give the spirit rather than the letter they even rolled two characters francine and mimi into one for they find that although in murger's book characters of each person are clearly defined one in the same temperament bears different names and is incarnated so to speak in two different persons who cannot detect they say in the delicate profile of one woman the personality both of mimi and francine who as he reads of mimi's little hands whiter than those of the goddess of ease is not reminded of francine's little muff the librettists were content to string together four more or less detached scenes from the story save for the death of mimi at the close there is no real climax to any of the four acts in the first act the two chief characters go off and sing their final high note in the passage in the third where they part more in sorrow than in anger the situation is varied between a similar device of finishing the duet off or by quietly sitting up at the back of the scene these two out of many points of subtlety are mentioned merely as showing puccini's mastery in catching the essential spirit of the dramatic scheme which is atmospheric or purely impressionistic the supremacy of his art is shown in a very marked way by the preservation of the continuity of the idea by the musical expression in this 
la bohème stands as a very notable modern work solely because of its absolute keeping to the idea which dominates it leon cavallo set the same story to music writing the book himself as a mere adaptation of a novel for stage purposes the dramatic portion of this opera which keeps the stage in france and germany may be pointed to as offering certain points of superiority but the music is certainly not atmospheric or impressionistic and the two works never really come into rivalry puccini's la bohème is absolutely on its own plane and in its own particular way supreme la bohème was composed partly at torre del lago and partly in a villa which puccini took for a time at castellaccio near pescia it was given for the first time at the teatro reggio turin on february first eighteen ninety six toscanini being the conductor and the cast as follows rodolfo gorga marcello wilmant schonard pinicorsi colin mazzara benoit and alcindoro polonini mimi ferrani musetta passini its first appearance in england was interesting from the rare fact that a new opera should not only be produced within a year of its production in its native land but that an english company should be the first to present it in our native tongue with the title of the bohemians it was given at manchester on april twenty second eighteen ninety seven at the theatre royal by the carl rosa company conducted by claude jacquinet and the cast as follows rodolfo robert cunningham marcello william paul schonard charles tilbury colleen arthur winkworth mimi alice esti musetta bessie macdonald it was given at covent garden in english in the october of the same year with practically the same cast madame alice esti from whom i learnt several interesting particulars not only of the production of the opera but of the work in general and some of the past history of the wonderful organization which is still doing such excellent work in keeping alive the love for opera in english was the first english mimi although she was born in boston there were many difficulties in the production and strange to say the part of mimi was first offered to mademoiselle zelie de Lausson, the well-known exponent of the part of carmen not only in english but in french as well the photograph of madame alice esti shows her in the last act of la bohème and it will be noticed that she wears not the customary black gown of the little seamstress but one of some pretensions to magnificence she followed she told me the idea of the composer who particularly wished to bring out the fact that mimi after parting with rodolfo had formed an alliance with a rich viscount this little incident it will be remembered is duly referred to by musetta in the text i have also talked with puccini about this first english performance of la bohème i always feel about past performances he said in the same way as dead people let us say nothing about them but good but i shall never forget the shock it was to me on arriving at the theatre to find the disposition of the orchestra in a fashion which i have never seen except at a circus out of two boxes at each end the bass brass on the one side and the drum on the other gave forth detached blares and pops which really frightened the life out of me they did not seem to have anything to do with the general music scheme 
i heard this band rehearsal start and then i saw the right idea simply because of the square-cut idea as to the tempi on the part of the conductor was absolutely away from the spirit of the work i asked the band to take a rest and then took two rehearsals with the piano myself it was not long before the artists all of them sincerely concerned with the proper interpretation of my ideas and myself got into complete accord i was very pleased on the whole with the way it eventually went and although i did not see the subsequent london production ricordi told me that the manchester performance was far more spontaneous how wonderfully puccini is able by playing a score of his on the piano and by his eloquent directions as to interpretation to convey his subtlest meaning to an artist i can speak from actual knowledge i have heard him take a singer through a good deal of this very opera under his almost magical hands a well-learned interpretation is transformed into a genuinely spontaneous interpretation puccini in the present year of grace when i told him that i had seen an important opera revived in the provinces with the same strange disposal of the orchestra which had caused him such distress threw back his head and roared with laughter not in the least unkindly you are a delightful people and seriously artistic but you will keep on doing such funny things for a long time however mademoiselle melba who in this country has invariably since her first performance of the part in italian here been seen in the character has appeared in the final scene in much the same plain dress as in the opening act the reason doubtless being that mimi's loneliness and poverty should be emphasized lately however mademoiselle melba has reverted to the original method of dressing the part and appears in the last scene in an even more elaborate evening gown of pale blue satin with a cloak and dispenses with a hat la bohème was brought to london after its first production as we have seen and was played about twenty times that season the covent garden production in italian was two years later on june thirtieth eighteen ninety nine when mancinelli conducted the cast being as follows rodolfo de lucia marcello ancona schonard gilbert collins journet benoit and alcindero dufriche mimi melba musetta zeli de lesson it will be noted that the gifted lady who was in the mind of the carl rosa authorities for their initial production as mimi was then seen in the particular part for which her temperament fitted her by substituting caruso as the rodolfo it is one of the very finest parts of this tenor and scotti as the marcello we have practically the same cast as that with which this opera at the present time fills covent garden invariably one of its most brilliant audiences in june eighteen ninety eight paris saw la bohème at the opera comique for which performance the composer visited the french capital for the first time to superintend some of the first rehearsals it went to america in the december of the same year when it was mounted at the academy of music philadelphia and sung in italian melba was the mimi de lucin de musetta and pandolfini the rodolfo new york had seen it in english at the american theatre in the previous month this production in which the rodolfo was j f sheehan the mimi ivan de treville and the musetta villa knox was by henry w savage's castle square opera company 
it was given in french at new orleans in the winter of nineteen hundred by barrick's company it was given in germany at the ander ren theatre vienna francis saville being the mimi and franz naval the rodolfo coming to the story which with the music is by this time so familiar to opera-goers the composer in characteristic fashion plunges us at once without scarcely as much as a few bars of prelude into the midst of things at the outset the atmosphere is established by the restless vivacious detached and spirited phrase which if it hardly ever assumes the proportions musically considered of a leading theme at least flavors very strongly the whole musical fabric it may well be taken to represent the free unrestrained spirit of the vie de bohème the curtain rises quickly and we see an attic inhabited by the quartet of gay spirits those bold adventurers as murger calls them who are stopped by nothing rain or dust cold or heat every day's existence is a work of genius a daily problem now abstemious as anchorites now riding forth on the most ruinous fancies not finding enough windows whence to throw their money truly as murger puts it a gay life yet a terrible one rodolfo the poet gazes pensively out of the window marcello the artist is painting the passage of the red sea it is christmas eve and the cold is bitter and to keep the stove alight they burn up a manuscript a drama of rodolfo's all through this scene of colloquial and snappy dialogue the music runs with remarkable movement soon schonard the musician comes in he has been lucky enough not only to find a job but to get paid for it and he tells us it was an englishman who employed him he has bought provisions with the spoil and they spread the feast in true bohemian fashion with a newspaper for the tablecloth they begin the meal with light-hearted merriment when the landlord comes in to collect his much overdue rent that worthy is amazed to find his tenants can pay it and after taking a glass with them and chatting about his amours the four irresponsibles get rid of him they then decide on a visit to the cafe momu in the latin quarter and leave rodolfo behind for a space as he has to finish an article for the beaver be quick then says marcello and cut the beaver's tail short as rodolfo sits at the table to work a timid knock is heard at the door and mimi the pretty little seamstress who occupies a room near the roof and who is already in the grip of the fell disease consumption comes in to ask for a light her candle having been extinguished by the draught in the passage she is evidently worn out by cough cold and fatigue and rodolfo after reviving her with a little wine makes a remark as to her delicate beauty mimi however has not come to chatter or be flattered and with thanks prettily expressed she departs for her chamber fate in the shape of a lost key sends her back again and the draught in the passage puts out not only mimi's candle but rodolfo's as well while they both search for the key mimi's cold little hand touches that of rodolfo and the latter clasps it and he then tells her of his life and aims and prospects in the beautifully melodious number che da manina which like so many of puccini's themes seems to grow out of the reiteration of a single note swelling out in a delightful emotional fullness mimi tells rodolfo of her work and how she embroiders flowers on rich stuffs 
which make her think of the green fields and the sweet scents of the countryside how lonely she is all by herself in her little top attic how she takes her frugal supper all alone the two natures are quickly brought together and mimi is soon in rodolfo's arms and has received his first passionate kiss the three friends outside now call up to him and he says he has three lines to finish but that he will join them anon and that he wants two places kept at the supper-table with a full confession of her love mimi takes rodolfo's arm and their last notes my love my love are heard as they descend the staircase at the cafe momou the exterior of which we see as the curtain rises on the second act preceded by a clever and vivacious phrase given to the trumpets in the orchestra our four brave bohemians were known as the four musketeers since they were inseparable indeed says Morget, they always went about together played together dined together often without paying the bill yet always with a beautiful harmony worthy of the conservatoire orchestra in this scene which is full of life and movement showing in the treatment of the chorus formed of children people soldiers students work-girls and gendarmes that beautifully polished technique in melodic construction which makes puccini so strong and in every way a master musician the lively musetta comes on the scene once more may Mouget's own words fittingly recall her to mind mademoiselle musetta was a pretty girl of twenty very coquettish rather ambitious but without any pretensions to spelling oh those delightful suppers a perpetual alternative between a blue brougham and an omnibus between the rubreda and the latin quarter although the incidents represented appear to follow consecutively it is a little strange to find a sort of alfresco entertainment in progress after the references to the bitter cold in the preceding act at any rate whether the dramatist's license be allowed or not and we may easily imagine a flight of time to have taken place since the happenings in the opening act the cafe momou in this second act is so full that our quartet of bohemians with musetta and her elderly admirer take their supper en plein air there is little of incident or progress of events in this lively scene musetta is reconciled after singing her delicious song in slow waltz form to her marcello and the fatuous old alcindoro is left to pay the bill of the whole party yet against this the sense of movement and gaiety shown by the ever-moving crowd and the incident of the toy-seller parpignol just a plain slice of life put down on the stage in a truly modern method is beautifully worked out in the music and never for an instant does it flag in vivacity musetta comes into prominence again in the third act again is the weather intensely cold and the chill drear atmosphere is indicated in the music at the opening by the subtle passage of bare fifths which is further remarkable as a purely musical effect from its connection with the trumpet passage which heralded the second act the scene is a place beyond the toll-gate on the orleans road at the end of the rue d'enfer over a tavern hangs marcello's picture as a signboard with its title altered to the port of marseilles signifying its adaptation to the environment two scenes of parting dominate the dramatic plan of this act that of rodolfo and mimi and that of marcello and musetta they are cleverly contrasted 
very pathetically does mimi's addio senza rancor come from the depths of her simple little heart while the end is foreshadowed by the hacking cough which frequently chokes her utterances musetta is taken to task by marcello for flirting and off she goes after a strongly dramatic duet which for characterization and force is one of the most distinctive numbers in the opera and after her exit in a fury mimi and rodolfo appear to agree indicated by the last phrases of their tender duet to continue together for yet a space in the old relations in the fourth act we are back in the attic and the quartet of bohemians are once more struggling with the problem of keeping body and soul together two of them rodolfo and marcello at any rate are lonely for mimi has been taken up by a viscount and musetta dressed in velvet through which as rodolfo tells marcello she cannot hear her heart beat is riding in a carriage but with all their troubles they keep a stout heart and are able to jest over the herring and rolls which chonard and colline bring in for dinner they dance and romp and play the fool in the lightest-hearted manner until musetta suddenly breaks in upon their pretended jollity the end is reached rapidly mimi has come home to die and this she does after an intensely sad simple and moving scene stretched as they placed her on rodolfo's hard little bed infinitely touching is mimi's reference in her last words to the song which rodolfo sang in the opening act she begins che gelida manina only to break off in a fit of coughing marcello has gone out to fetch a doctor and musetta brings a muff to warm the dying girl's fingers mimi's spirit passes away however before aid can be brought to her and the pathos of the situation is intensified by the silence in which it takes place it is chonard who whispers to marcello that she is dead to rodolfo's last despairing cry of mimi mimi as he realizes that his loved one is no more does the curtain fall there is little to point to in the music save its chief and outstanding feature its continuity in this the whole charm and strength of the work lies orchestrally the score of la bohème is a beautifully polished one not so symphonically complete as manon for instance but essentially individual for fullness as a constructional background one may point to the orchestration of the duet in the first act for daintiness of effect the use of harmonics on the harp against the muted strings in musetta's waltz song while many happy touches are seen all through such as the xylophone and muted trumpets at the toy-seller's entrance in the cafe scene or again the striking passage in fifths at the opening of the third act given to the harp and flutes over the cellos playing tremolo the orchestra employed is the usual large modern orchestra with a piccolo glockenspiel and xylophone considerable use is also made of the division of the cellos in many places into three the complete success notwithstanding certain difficulties that have been referred to of the first performance of the opera in this country was duly chronicled in london on the day following the event in the times the notice states that the composer was called at the end and bowed his acknowledgments from which it would appear that he was prevailed upon at least to appear on the fall of the curtain although by all accounts i have heard from those who took part in the performance puccini adopted the custom 
followed if we may believe certain traditions by certain notable playwrights of wandering up and down the streets until the premiere was over the writer of the notice in question places the work on a higher level than manon speaks of the highly dramatic intensity reached by simple means in the scenes between mimi and rodolfo notices in the absence of set songs the wagnerian method of continuous melody and sums it up as a decided success gained by the beauty of its melody the refinement of the music as a whole the cleverness in the handling of the themes and by the absence of claptrap the performance is spoken of as a genuine triumph in spite of the leading tenor's hoarseness End of chapter seven